Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. Today, I'm going to be talking about The Obsidian Tower by Melissa Caruso. So let's unravel the magic. So first off, I want to say that this book, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very interesting, very unique in its con- not in its concepts, but in its uh, play, how everything kind of comes out. It was great. Um, give a little bit of background without spoiling anything. This book is in the same kind of world as her previous series, and this time, this time, it's from the other country's perspective. So this time we are in Vascander, which is kind of a country where there are lots of vivomancers or life magic users. And the country that's kind of opposite them, where we were the last time in the last series by her, is Ravera, which is kind of more counselly, and they kind of control the magic a little bit more and restrict it. And it talks about that. Now, you don't have to read the first series before you come and read this series. That's not required. Some things make a little bit more sense, but everything is explained just fine without it. Um, I really enjoyed the story and the plot that you think, okay, obviously there's going to be an obsidian tower and, you know, what we think it is and then what it ends up actually being and how it ends up actually being is just crazy and different and cool. So let's get into it. We're going to start with our main character. So this is the spoiler section for all of you who want to go read it first before you finish listening. We have uh, Rick Sander, who is our main character. She is the granddaughter of the Witch Lord. Now, a Witch Lord is someone who has kind of a divine connection with the land around them, where they've kind of gathered up that power into themselves, and they are functionally immortal and can kind of control the land to an unparalleled degree, and that's what makes them so powerful. So she is the daughter of a the witch lord, the lord of owls, and she is different though because she comes from a you know everybody who's a mage and mage marked is a vivomancer or you know a life magic user basically, and they can control life or make things grow or do things like that. But Rixander cannot do that. Everything that she touches dies. And so, of course, this is a huge problem when you are the lady of the manor and supposed to be in charge of teaching and meeting people. So our plot starts off where Vaskander and Rivera have started having a conflict over an island. One of the witch lords, the Shrike Lord, had sent his fiance to go to the island and create the bond with the land, becoming a witch lord on her own so that she could also be immortal and she and the Shrike Lord could live, you know, together forever, basically. Now, obviously, the Reverends don't like this, and so they're starting to have a conflict because of it. They come to the Reichsander's Castle, which is named Glomingard, in order to kind of have some peace talks. Now, it wouldn't be a very good, a very interesting book if the peace talks happened and everybody was satisfied. So, in the Glomingard, this castle, there is the Obsidian tower for which the book is named and all throughout Glomingard are warnings and it's kind of their family line that they you know whatever you do don't open the obsidian tower don't open the obsidian door you know shut it keep it sealed lock it and so you think that there's going to be either something crazy behind it or interesting and you just don't know and we don't know because it never says they just know they're supposed to keep it closed so while they're having this meeting Reichsander accidentally kills the fiancé of the Shrike Lord, because, of course, 
Why wouldn't she? She tries to go to the Obsidian Tower and get it open. And foolishly doesn't believe the stories that Ragsander has bad magic that'll kill you if you don't prepare for it. And what do you know? It does. Now, they talk multiple times about a skin witch, which is a vivomancer who can directly affect living bodies and kill people. And throughout the book, I was like, okay, she doesn't think she's a skin witch, but I bet she is a skin witch and she's not going to, you know, she's going to be a skin witch and that'll be a surprise and trick everybody. But I was wrong. She's not. She just has her magic. Instead of dealing with life, it just unravels things. So it unravels everything. So if you touch a door, it would unravel the door. If she let her power out after enough time, it would decay magic. It decays everything. So it's a pretty cool power and she keeps it contained a lot. Of course, because of this, the Shrike Lord sends his envoy and he wants her dead. Now he doesn't know that it's her, but he wants to find out who killed his fiance. And now because of the fiance's unwitting knowledge, the Obsidian Tower is open and the Lord Lady of Owls, uh, Rick Alexander's grandmother, goes into the door to deal with it. Now she's gone for a while. Things are happening. We're going to have to just take a, a backseat to the plot for a second and talk about some other things that are happening here. During this time, we've also met with the Rookery. We have Kessa, Foxglove, Bastion, and Asha. And the Rookery are people who go and solve magical problems. So you find an artifact that you don't know what it does. The Rookery will come in and tell you if it's safe and test it and figure it out for you. You find old wards and runes, they'll figure it out for you. You do, you know... They are your magical go-to fixer-uppers slash containment people. So they're pretty cool. They get sent away earlier in the book, but once the Obsidian Tower is opened, the Lady of Owls sends Reichsander to go get them and bring them back, and they start investigating the Obsidian Tower. Now, they at first they think that the seal is just a... It's got immense power behind it. They can tell that. And they say, okay, this is a port. This is... A power source, we're going to investigate it and study it. And they have no idea, you know, what it does or what it could be doing. They just know that it's a lot of power and a lot of power is dangerous. Now, all of a sudden, this secret has been kept for hundreds of years. But now all of a sudden, everybody wants a piece of it. The Reverends are hearing about it and they don't like this power source sitting so close to their border. The Shrike Lord all of a sudden wants to get his hands on it. Potentially why he sent his fiance to do this thing was just to get this artifact, this huge artifact that really can't be moved, versus, you know, actually becoming a witch lord. And so it's looking pretty bad. The Reichsander's Aunt Kerrigan shows up, and it's just a horrible character. I did never liked her one bit. She threatens war almost immediately with everyone because she has no political tact, and she doesn't understand the differences between the Reverends and the Vaskanders. And she's like, Oh, threaten me, I'll open the door and use all of its power to blow you up. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You are trying to stop a war, not start a war that you don't you can't win for sure, as much power as you think you might have. So there's a lot of arguing and fighting and going on with that. Ragsander has to keep the Reverends and the Vaskanders from killing herself. Keep the Vaskanders from figuring out that it was her that accidentally killed the Shrike Lord's fiance. And somehow figure out how to shut the Obsidian Tower and close off whatever it leads to. Now, while she's investigating it, they learn that it leads to the Nine Hells where demons reside. Now, while they're talking about this and they think it's a portal built to go to the Nine Hells, they talk about the demons and we learn 
that there are nine demons that ruled the land at one point that came through and wrecked total havoc on the world, just destruction and mayhem all plenty, and then were somehow forced back, and now we live in the world that they live in. And so the nine demons are disaster, discord, death, carnage, corruption, hunger, madness, despair, and nightmares. So just imagine the, the embodiment of those nine horrible things just wrecking the land and being nigh unstoppable. So what we learn about the nine hells is that our world, or the world that the characters live in, is, you know, physical with a lot of magic. The Nine Hells is basically the opposite. It's all magical. And so these demons, when they cross over, they inhabit people. And so there are three options that will happen. Either they forcibly take control of whoever they inhabit. They kind of share the body with whoever they inhabit. That person invites them in. Or third, they conjoin and they kind of mix and meld to become one person. And so it's not a demon or a human any longer. It's a mix of the demon and the human. And so this was pretty interesting and pretty scary, just like, oh, there's nine demons and, you know, we might be letting them through because we have this obsidian tower portal that's blocking that off. And so, of course, the rookery starts to get to work on it and figure out how they can collapse the portal. And so... They work on that, and at the same time, the Reverends have a unique magical device. Because this device, when put on a mage, can block their powers and release their powers. When it is, they have like a handler, and that handler will release it and then enclose their power. And so, of course, Rexander, who's never been able to touch things or like have control of her magic where she doesn't unravel things, but at this point she still thinks it's just she kills everything because... That's the easiest thing to unravel. She accepts and gets this jest put on her where it becomes a magical binder and it, it locks her powers in place. Now, of course, maybe not the best time, but again, how could you live your life without being able to touch people and being afraid you're going to kill everybody? So while trying to broker this peace treaty, somebody starts trying to kill everybody there and Rygzander meets with her grandmother, the Lady of Owls, and realizes that the Lady of Owls has been possessed by a demon. And not just any demon, but the demon of discord. So as the demon of discord, obviously she seeks for disharmony, she seeks for confusion, basically anything that discord is. But not she's not just um, controlled, she's actually merged together with the Lady of Owls. So this witch lord with intense power and control over her whole land is now a demon as well. And that just spells bad news for us. Now, this isn't, of course, the end of the series. Not by a long shot. The Shrike Lord has sent her, his brother down and his brother, along with you know an official to make sure his brother does what he's supposed to do, and captures Rykesander to take her back to the Shrike Lord because she is the one that killed his fiance. Now, while she is there, she's being tortured, and she finally unleashes her power, and it was so cool to see because the Shrike Lord is sending vines and whips of vines at her, and she's just there unraveling and just being destroyed and crumbling beneath her feet, and the doors can't stop her the stones kind of fall away she just runs and she's able to get out of there and it was so cool and that while she was driving being taken there you know she'd come to the realization that the obsidian tower that the rookery is trying to destroy not destroy but to you know remove the portal trying to like take the portal away is not actually a portal 
it is a like a scar where they they didn't create the portal to the nine hells. It was always there. They just put a seal on top of it to prevent the demons from coming into our world. And so she knows that their plan is to destroy it and remove it, which would remove the seal and let more in. This is not going well for her. So you know, she races back there. She's able to stop them. But Kessa, one of the rookery, is actually controlled by a demon at this point. And Rygzander just gives her a big hug and, you know, starts unraveling the magic. And that is the coolest thing because, you know, the demon is like, ah, this hurts. You're killing me. And she's like, good, die, which I just loved, you know. And, you know, Kessa ends up surviving barely because she lets her go as soon as she passes out. And, you know, did she kill the demon or did she not? I don't know. But I'm excited to find out. I'm excited to look forward to it in the future. Then we learn that Aurelio, the Reverend who gave Alexander the Jess, he gave his body up to a demon so that Rivera can have a demon kind of under their control. But can you really control a demon? You know, I don't think so. I think that was a pretty horrible decision by his part. And he is taken by the demon Hunger. So, you know, we know two of the nine demons have made it through. Discord, Hunger, and potentially a third one. We just don't know. But it was such a good story. It was unique. At the end, they have fixed the the Obsidian Tower. They've sealed it. They've locked it away. Nobody else can get into it except for Rexander because of her unraveling. She can unravel the wards that are are sealing it in. But at least they know that no more demons are going to get out. She has to leave, of course, because her grandmother is the demon Discord, and that's not a good sign for the world. So she goes with the Rookery in order to research and figure out a way to stop the demons like they did in the past. And they are leaving. She goes with the Rookery. Severian, the Shrike Lord's brother, actually comes with her because they've kind of had a little budding romance kind of going, even though he did have to capture her, but he didn't want to. And you can kind of see it playing out. And I was never really sure if it would or wouldn't, but, you know, I liked it. It made sense within the story. I'm not doing it justice just by throwing it in here near the end. But near the end, we meet with another character, Whisper. Now, Whisper is a kind of like a construct, or so we're led to believe, that makes a lot of, has made a promise and can't tell Rygzander a lot of things because of it. But he's always there to be like, don't do this, don't do that, you know, trying to protect her, trying to keep the door sealed. And we learn that he is also a demon, but he's kind of just in the form of a cat and he's really lazy, but he tries to stay out of it. And so it's like, well, I don't know which of these, you know, seven demons left is Whisper. You know, he's not been an antagonist to us or to our main character. So he's most likely not disaster or carnage or madness, you know, or nightmares, but he could be death, corruption, or despair. I just don't know. I am super looking forward to reading the next books when they come out and enjoying them. So uh, again, I really enjoyed The Obsidian Tower by Melissa Caruso. It has a unique setting, a great story, lots of twists and turns, some great witty conversation, and that's going to wrap up my discussion of the Obsidian Tower. So thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to libromancypod at gmail.com. If you don't mind, give me a like a like, and a subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or especially on Apple iTunes. Those reviews help the most. 
And always remember to unravel the magic of books.